Welcome to Peak Flow, where we optimize human experience one breath at a time. And with us today in our MRV TV studio here in Vermont, we have all the way from the Midwest, Jesse Coomer. Jesse, great to see you. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So glad you're here. And you are a breath worker extraordinaire. Your reputation precedes you. And you also have written a book called A Practical Guide to Breathwork, A Remedy. I love this subtitle. A Remedy for the Modern Human Condition. And for folks who can't quite tell, I was really kind of captivated by this image. Can you describe what's going on here, Jesse? Yeah. So, so what I've got here is actually those are, those are trees. And so I, I've just taken that image and I put the trees uh, kind of sideways and um, made the image of our lungs. It's amazing how uh, these things that are within us that uh, sustain our lives, very natural, and they've, they seem to have their counterparts in nature as well. Yeah, I, hope, I think we'll probably come back to that. Um, before we go any further though, Jesse, how did you come to discover breath work and, and what, what is meant by that? term, breath work? Yeah, it's a great question. If you would have asked me this question 10 years ago, I would have had no idea. Uh, and that's because about 10 years ago, I was um, the thing I was really searching and I was really trying to overcome this thing that later on um, th that you mentioned, the, the modern human condition, something that was affecting me. I, I had no idea what it was, but I knew that I felt a lot of anxiety all the time. And I knew that uh, my nerves, they, they kept me from sleeping, they kept me from being fully awake, they kept me from focusing like I wanted to be focusing. And I'm, I'm a strange person, I'm a, a extreme extrovert, but I'm also a person who suffers from social anxiety. So it was this really awful situation. Um, that, That's terrifying. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing <laughs> you want to do the most, right? And so, uh, and so I, I lived my life, most of my life in, I would, um, I would look for ways to kind of get around the, these feelings. Of course, you know, I, you know, high school and college, I learned about drugs and alcohol and, this, and man, those things work, right? Uh, for a moment, right? They're, they're, they're momentary um, medicines for the things that ail us. And then of course they become things that make things worse. And so I, about 10 years ago, I was, looking for uh, ways to, to feel better. And I never really understood why people said, okay, this stuff that doesn't taste good, that's the stuff you're supposed to eat, right? The stuff that's like just awesome, like pizza and cheeseburgers, that's not stuff that's good for you. You know, and they say, you should, you should go exercise and sweat and get sore because that's good for you. Whereas relaxing on the couch, that's not as good for you. And I didn't understand why is it that it seems all these contradictions. And so I, at some point I decided I would at least give it all a try. So I started exercising and man, that started to make me feel better. I started to understand, wow, my, my, there is a certain thing that my body, I guess, needs. I need to actually go exert energy, um, have the challenge, you know, actually stress my muscles and my, my musculature. I need stuff like that. Started to eat better. Started developing a, a far more diverse palate than ramen noodles and you know pizzas and <laughs> things like that. Um, and started to see, okay, there are some differences. But really, I still had a lot of that anxiety still left over. And so I, a friend of mine, taught me about uh, meditation. And I started to try that, and I realized that I was terrible at meditation. <laughs> and so the thing, the funny thing about meditation, that it's, it's the easiest thing in the world. You just sit there and don't think about anything, right? <laughs> just try doing that. It's impossible. So I needed no, exactly, <laughs> exactly, and that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to do something, and I, I really was. I was searching, but I needed a tool. So I discovered uh, pranayama first. And I started meditating with some pranayama, some, some doing some basic pranayama. And tell and us, I, uh, and tell us what that is. Some some people may so not pranayama, know. Pranayama, yeah, pranayama is is basically yogic breathing. So. Um, the yogis, and it's amazing the things that the yogis figured out thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, and we're only just now kind of rediscovering and we're saying, okay, now we're going to look at it through the lens of science. We're going to look at it through the lens of, uh, of, of a, something different than maybe a, a spiritual tradition. We're going to look at it as something that we can use for just the, uh, in a secular way. The average person can apply it to their life. And so, uh, so pranayama, there's, there's an enormous amount of 
breathing techniques that go along with uh, all the different branches of yoga. Um, and so I started messing with that and then I discovered Wim Hof method and that really got me on fire for breath work. Uh, I got to train with Wim Hof and, and, and I really started to take a lot of this seriously. But um, then I started to teach it and I started to go out and learn more. And the more I learned, the more I realized there was more to learn. And so since then I've become a breath worker. And so breath work essentially is when we use our breathing for any purpose, really for any purpose. So, so there's different elements of breath work. So some people need to use breath work, like for me to be able to balance my autonomic nervous system and take my, basically my emotions on, you know, into my own hands, as opposed to being tossed around by what I described in the book as, as the dopamine feedback loop, which we can talk about that in a little bit, but um, ultimately that's one thing. And then there's also um, a lot of research that shows that when we focus on our breathing, there are uh, physiological changes that we can make, even changes in our posture, even changes uh, when it comes to uh, avoiding injury and, and things of that nature. We Sometimes we develop this function in our breathing that we can reclaim by focusing on our breath. And then there's integrative breath work or what we might call altered state breath work, which would be more for what I use it for, of course, would be to have like some kind of a amazing, profound experience, maybe to break through a funk, um, a depression, uh, really, really get in touch with who I really am on the inside. So there's a lot of different ways we can use it. Uh, but uh, since since getting into this, I've, I've trained all kinds of people from around the world, um, you know, military, police, uh, people from, you know, athletes, MMA fighters, uh, you, you name it. There's, there's everyone breathes. So there's breath work literally for everyone. Gosh, that was a beautiful description. So, so let me play the role of um, a human who approaches you for the first time as a breath work instructor, Jesse. Yeah. So Jesse, I've been breathing for 54 years and I'm fine, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but I'm open to you and your work, Jesse. Um, so guide me. What what would be the what would be, how would you how would you sort of take me on a journey as as a as a human who's going to be working with you? Ultimately, the the the, the most important thing you said was that I'm open, um, that that you're willing, right? Because a person who is willing, who is genuinely willing to have an open mind and, and open to to trying new things, that's a person who who will have success, you know, at whatever they try. So willingness uh, is, is enough. And uh, that actually one of the great breath worker uh, you know, once said that uh, Jim Leonard. Uh, so, so willingness is enough. And so, so ultimately we, we, we tend to, I tend to have people come to me and they have problems or they have some kind of goal, but I do have a lot of people that come to me and say, okay, I've noticed you've been doing this breath work thing. Right. A lot of especially friends and family over the past years. Right. I've noticed you've been doing this breathwork thing. Um, what is it? What, what can it do for me? And so ultimately, um, I do just I do like to describe the modern human condition, because that typically will touch on at least some part of their life that, that, that they didn't even realize was out of whack. So so briefly, I'll go over what the modern human condition is. So we in, in, in the humanities and my, I have two jobs. So I, for the past 10 years, I've, I've been a English professor at a university. So, so I teach literature and things like that, right? So one of the things we discuss in the classroom is the human condition. So all of art is describing the human condition. So your favorite song was your favorite song. Yeah, it might've had an awesome melody, but those lyrics was described, they were describing some element of life some part of the, the human experience, our fears, our desires, our, our passions, some element of the human experience that it was describing that really touched you. So any book, any song, any movie, there was something about it that touches on what it is to be a human. And that's what makes art great. Well, we share these things across the centuries. We share them with every other human that's ever been alive. So it's not just something that, you know, because my favorite song is some Jimi Hendrix song, it has to be a person living in the 20th or 21st century. The thing that that person was talking about in the song or whatever, friendship or loss 
or love, we share these with all humans, any other time in, in history. What the modern human condition is, is this new thing we have to deal with right now that no other time in history we've had to deal with. And if you think about human history, just going back to the earliest signs, and of course the, the dates are kind of fuzzy, but the earliest signs of human civilization, we're looking at 11,000, maybe 13,000 years ago, only in the past couple hundred years have we had a complete modernization of our life. And modern life is great. You know, I have, we're in heating, cooling, we have running water, indoor plumbing, all these wonderful things, but it has affected how our autonomic nervous system sees the world. And our autonomic nervous system has, is, is basically what's in charge of an, you know, an enormous amount of our physiological processes. So for instance, um, just one, and this is just touching on anxiety. When we are in a nervous or anxious situation, right? So um, for our ancestors, it was, you know, we're worried about the uh, the heart, maybe the harvest, but even more ancient ancestors for the earliest part of, of humanity that we still have not, we still have the same make and model, right? <laughs> um, but the earliest ancestors, maybe we're afraid of snakes uh, or bears or, you know, uh, being uh, killed by uh, another tribe, right? What our autonomic nervous system would do one of the things it would enhance our senses. So one of the things we don't even recognize is that when we're nervous, when we're afraid or angry, or when we are in what we call that fight or flight state, our nervous system, our autonomic nervous systems enhances all of our senses. So you can see better when you're afraid or whenever you're in this, this, this stress state, you can actually hear better. Like your, your hearing is far more sensitive. You can smell, you don't necessarily smell better, right? Right. So wear your deodorant, but you can, the sense of smell is enhanced. It's like a superpower we have. And for our ancient ancestors, this was great because it allowed us to see our prey or the predators a little bit before they saw us or hear them or smell them even. Yeah, we go but into, in we, I was going to say, we go into what's called sympathetic yes. nervous system state, right? Fight, exactly. flight, fight, flight, fright. And, and we're evolutionarily hardwired, you're saying, to do this. Absolutely. And that was an incredibly useful state for us, mm. for all of our ancient ancestors, mm. because it was it was a survival mechanism. But for our modern world, right, and we have such amazing brains, right? Our brains are fantastic. We're, we're kind of bragging rights, you know, we could we could kind of say to all the other, you know, creatures, hey, look at these awesome brains. But we're not going to because that would just be big ego, right? But the thing is, we are able to, with our neocortex, we're able to not only be afraid of things that are in the clear and present danger, like someone cuts you off from traffic or, you know, maybe you're afraid of a person, you know, who looks like they're, you know, crackhead with a knife or whatever. <laughs> but also we can gin up things that are in the future mm. or things that are in the past mm. that we can't do anything about. And I will go into all of it. I, I discuss it a little bit more in depth in the book, but our brains are, are there to try to protect us. And so it's going to put us in that fight or flight state. And it doesn't matter whether it's coming from a real danger or not. It's going to put you in that fight or flight mm -hmm. state. So when that happens, the locus ceruleus in our brain will release norepinephrine. And that norepinephrine for our ancient ancestors allowed all those senses to be heightened. It was amazing. It was great. But for us, we experienced this as anxiety. So that's the, that's like the chemical thing in our brain that makes us feel anxiety. Mm. And so when you have heightened senses, it's wonderful if you're, you know, in a dangerous situation, but it's terrible if you're trying to go to sleep, right? It's terrible if you're trying to focus at work. It's terrible if you're trying to, to think about what you're doing right in front of you, but you're worried about these other things. Mm. So what, what happens is when a person asks me, what can breath work do for me? Um, I like to kind of cover the fact that we don't even realize as modern humans, we don't realize this is not natural. This is not a normal state uh, because everything around us is artificial and it sends us what we call bottom up signaling. So environmental signals and cues that we're not really aware of mm -hmm. that we should be in the state of fight or flight. When this happens, we have heightened senses that we call anxiety. We have a racing heart. We have uh, our digestion shuts down. Uh, our, our reproductive organs don't work. We have higher blood glucose, higher cortisol, all the catecholamines are higher. Mm. And, and when you're constantly in these states, there are ramifications. And here in the United States, of course, 
you know, <laughs> um, you know, I, I've, I've had a lot of people from Europe and then other countries that I've, that have come to the United States and we've done workshops and things and maybe a TV would be on and they're kind of baffled because we have advertisements for, uh, prescription drugs, right? They don't have that everywhere else. Uh, so other places, some places do, but not every place. Well, here in the United States, how many times have you seen a prescription drug for anxiety, right? Or for um, issues of blood glucose or the heart or, or digestion, right? We have, we have how many over-the-counter, right? Prilosec. We're heavily, um, we're heavily medicated, Jesse. We are. We're heavily medicated. We absolutely are. And if, if you look at the autonomic nervous system and if you look at the functions, uh, right? So we're talking about anxiety, heart rate. We're talking about blood glucose. We're talking about digestion. We're talking about reproductive organs. How many Viagra commercials do we need to see here in the United States, right? We are suffering from what we call the, what I call the human condition. And that is a disconnection between our physiology and our environment. And it's a very new and modern thing. So when someone asked me about breath work, that right there, there's a lot of other things we can do. But if only just dealing with the modern human condition, mm. that right there, that's that's a great success. Yeah, I was really taken by that subtitle in your book. And, and thank you for fleshing that out there. So uh, you're suggesting then, Jesse, that we can, all of us as team human, we can learn some basic breathwork protocols that will help us navigate this modern human condition of chronic stress, anxiety, that really comes out of our evolutionary roots, yeah. um, tied to our brains, connected to our autonomic nervous systems, connected to the rest of our bodies, respiratory, circulatory, immune, endocannabinoid, et cetera, et cetera. So, so a second question then to follow up on that. So what would you advise me to do? So some people here listening, watching like, okay, so yeah, I feel, I feel that. I feel a little mm -hmm. chronic anxiety or stress. And here's this guy who's worked with thousands of people all over the place. And he's telling me that breath work can help. But now what do I do? That's a great question. The first, <laughs> the first question that you have to ask yourself is that, right? So there's this tool, <laughs> you know, whatever tool it is, it could be a screwdriver. It looks very useful. Now, what do I do with it, right? Um, and, and a tool is as useful as a tool can be. It can be absolutely useless if you don't know how to apply it. So, so and this is why I teach online courses and things like that. But the big thing to really think about is we need to understand what our issues are. Mm -hmm. so, so the first step, Okay, so the first seven, and I, and I, when I teach it, I, I, I teach it as what we call a language of breath. So my, my, that's kind of how I like to look at it. And of course, maybe it's because I'm a language teacher, but the language of breath and the first step is awareness. So awareness is, is the foundation of all positive change. So you have to understand what are my issues? What is it that I'm dealing with? So for the average person, maybe it's, I want to sleep better, or I, I'm constantly taking a bunch of Tums to, to try to deal with my acid reflux, or, or maybe I, I, I can't sleep. I never feel like I'm in the mood for my spouse. Um, I can't seem to focus when I want to focus. Mm. For other people, like for instance, um, you know, an athlete, you know, I, I simply want to be able to go stronger for longer, right? It's, it's a matter of, I want to be able to have more energy, more endurance. Okay, great. We can shoot for those things. Um, for, you know, when I teach uh, first responders, it's, it literally is, I'm in a place that is probably incredibly dangerous. And, and you know, I, I'm preparing for that, right? I'm going to go to a dangerous place. My, I know my autonomic nervous system would be going crazy. I have to be the person there that makes the right decisions. Right. So I'm always I, I've been I've been training police now for for a few years. And this is the big thing. Right. That we all know about uh, the average public understands this now. OK, we put these people in very dangerous situations and we do expect them to make the right mm -hmm. choice under high duress. Mm -hmm. And this is that's what we expect. And that's that's totally fine. We need to equip those people. So what we do is we say, OK, let's put ourselves in some of these situations and then learn how to downregulate. So sometimes it's a matter of, uh, you know, you've already got a dysfunction and it's like, man, I just, I just need to figure myself out. Other times, you know, you know exactly what you're going to deal with. But for the average person, so if the average person listening, 
Um, what I would say is that if you, if you, if you think about, okay, could I sleep better? The, the answer is probably yes, <laughs> right? Could I be more present? Could I be less, you know, anxious, worried, afraid? Mm. The answer is probably yes. Um, do I, do I really know how to take a breath? Right. Because here's, here's a funny thing that, that is so strange. It's just like, I think we all understand exercise a little bit more now than we used to. Um, it's kind of a new invention. If you would go back 300 years and say exercise, people would wonder, is there a spirit that needs to be exercised out of the building? Or what something, are you right? talking about? Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so, so we understand that a little bit more. And one of the things we start to understand with, with regards to exercise is maybe uh, muscle imbalances or, or maybe you have bad posture. I think everyone understands that one, right? Okay, I sit down all the time. I'm always slouching. My posture has suffered as a result. Well, your breathing has suffered as a result as well. And, and your habits determine, right, your physiology and your body is constantly trying to adapt. And so what happens is we, we develop breathing dysfunction and breathing dysfunction is one of the biggest things that I work with, with my one-on-one -on -one clients, because we don't realize that our breathing influences the autonomic nervous system directly. Mm. And this, this brings me to a point that I, I want to make clear. And, and it's, it's this interesting thing that for those of you guys listening or watching now, at one point you were breathing automatically, but now that I'm talking about it, right now that we're talking about it, you're, you're paying attention and in the breath that you're taking right now, you're deciding how slow or how fast you're deciding, is it through the mouth or is it through the nose? And the, the strange reality is that we are, as far as we know, the only species that has direct control over that and the other species, it's, it's, it's just automatic. I learned this from uh, when I was doing research on my book, Dr. Autumn Musick, um, who's a neuroscientist and uh, does an enormous amount of research and uh, just blew me away. You know, I thought, well, what about the beavers? What about the, the ducks and the, you know, the whales and the, the, all these other things. And, and ultimately that, those are autonomic. Those are automatic. Whenever I start to sense it, I'm going down. Okay. And we actually have um, some of those same functions. It's interesting. And this is a fun thing to try in the shower. We still have the mammalian dive reflex. Okay. It doesn't force us to hold our breath anymore, but it can help you hold your breath for longer, right? If you put the water on your, usually run right around your face, around your eyes, mm -hmm. it'll slow down your heartbeat so that you can hold your breath longer. It's, it's these interesting things, but because we have the ability to control our breathing, we can direct messages to the autonomic nervous system to tell it to activate or to become restful and more digestible. So I'm glad you bring this up, Jesse, because I was struck by this in your book. Are you saying then that Homo sapiens were the only species on planet Earth that can come in and out of an awareness of our own breathing and seize our respiratory reins, if you will? Well, that is that is what my research showed. So that that's I it's. I don't know if maybe later on we're going to find out that that's not true, but as far as we know right now, that's what we know. And so I, I, it's hard to believe, but because of this, and this is one of those things that evolutionary theorists kind of wonder why this is, right? Mm -hmm. And so the theory behind it is that when we develop the ability to speak, we, we, it was, it was something we evolved to be able to modulate our breathing. So if you think about what I'm doing right now, I'm, I'm modulating a lot of breath, like really, really fast. Mm. And that's allowed us to, and it's basically that, I guess, those were the guys that, the guys and the gals that reproduced, right? Mm. And they, they they were able to, you know, continue that on and, and now we can speak and it's allowed us to um, be able to do that. There's some records of, uh, it's, it's interesting, this ability gives us, because we can modulate our breathing, we can run further than a lot of animals that, you know, we would assume could out, you know, outpace us. Maybe they can outpace us for a little while, but, you know, for instance, some of these ultra marathons, I forget which one it was, but there was one ultra marathon that started as a horse race and this guy's horse died every year. Yeah. And one day he's like, I'm just going to run the thing myself and it turned <laughs> into an ultra marathon. Yeah. So oh, that's funny. 
Well, yeah, Chris, um, Christopher sure. McDougall's book, Born to Run, I know some of our listeners, viewers are familiar. Yeah, he really took us on a tour of, of Sapien's ability to outdistance um, yeah. any, other, any other creature with regard to running. And, and there's a lot of speculation about that being one of our keys to evolutionary success. But I, I, I was really taken um, with your, your book for many reasons. That was, that was one of them, that how remarkable that in addition to opposable thumbs, yeah. right, humans have this unique, perhaps, ability as a species to consciously direct our breath. Um, can I, would you, would you take us through like a, like a minute or so, like of a little breathing exercise? Because people are probably now thinking like, all right, so uh, this all sounds good, but show me. Absolutely. So one of my favorite things about breath work is that you can, you can practice it for long periods of time, or you can do things. There's sometimes like there's a very, what I like to call a very fast dose. And so I'll take you through a fast dose. But before we get into the technique, I want to go over how to take a breath so that we can do this appropriately. So what we're going to do is we're going to pull our breath down. There's a lot of focus on belly breathing. And oftentimes what we'll do is we'll, we'll push our bellies out because we know that that's the part that's supposed to move. But what, what, if you're actually pulling your breath down, so I want you to everybody to focus now as you're breathing, focus down to what we might call your pelvic floor. Okay, so so what you're sitting on basically is, is what, what I want you to focus on all the way down. So pull a breath down. Now, if you want to put your hands on your stomach or your sides, you're gonna notice, yes, the stomach will come out when you do that. But the focus is not necessarily the, the, the movement of the stomach. The focus is pulling the breath down, okay? down into your sit bones, maybe if, you know, some, some yogis might like that, but, but it doesn't matter how we, we visualize it as long as we're visualizing, pulling it down and then filling up the ribs. So the ribs are going to flare out after we fill the belly. So just take your hands and just kind of observe your ribs. See if you can move them. Okay. Sometimes we get so rigid, we don't even have the ability to move them, but okay, great. Okay. We can move those. So we're going to expand whenever we're going to take these breaths. I want you to really visualize these, these ribs coming out as far as they can, like wings flaring out. And then we're going to expand the chest too, but it's going to go from the belly to the ribs, to the chest, and then we're going to hold. So let's just take a practice breath. So, so let's just kind of get all the way in, let it go. And then down in the belly, filling it up nice and slow. And the ribs are going to expand as far as they can really let those things expand in the chest. And then you hold for just a second and then relax it out. Okay. So what we've done right there is we've taken an effective breath. Okay. We've, we've taken one single effective breath. And so we're going to use that breath and we're going to use a breath hold and we're going to use an exhale. And using this combination, we are going to do what we call four, seven, eight breathing. I like to call it the cadence of bliss. This is a breathing technique that I like to use, for instance, if I'm, if I'm feeling nervous, maybe I've got that social anxiety, you know, bubbling up again. Maybe I, there's a phone call I don't really want to make, right? You know, we, you, we, we all know what those things are. You, there's a, a visit, you, you go, oh, geez, I got to go over here. I don't really want to. Or maybe you're just kind of feeling nervous that day. Another time you can use this is also if you wake up in the middle of the night and some, you know, that thing you said in high school that still bothers us for some reason, you know, that weird thing that no one else remembers, but we have it in our head. <laughs> well, you know, if that's bothering you, focusing on this breath can really help just kind of clear the mind, put you back to sleep. Okay. So it's not necessarily going to put you to sleep today, but it can downregulate very quickly. And it's, it's very, very simple. We're going to inhale for four seconds. Now at the end of four, four seconds, we're going to be as full as we can. So those ribs are flared out. The chest is expanded as full as you can after four seconds. And then we're going to hold our breath with a nice full, hold both of our lungs nice and full for seven seconds. And then we're going to take an eight second exhale. Now what that's going to look like is it's not going to be, and then, you know, at the very end, no, it's going to be nice and even. So, so just, just practice that real quick. So we're going to take an inhale and then practice out two, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Now that should be the end of the breath. It doesn't have to be absolutely empty at the eight seconds, but it should be the end of you needing to exhale. So we're going to do that. We're going to do it four times, back to back to back to back. Okay. Before we do it though, okay, we are, again, the number one rule 
the, the, the first rule of breath work uh, is, is awareness. So before we do that, go ahead and, and if you can, if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. But if, if you can close your eyes and just take a minute to, to check in with yourself. And this is something we don't ever seem to want to do. But, you know, it's, it's easy to say, you know, I am this many years old, I am this tall, my foot is this many inches, or, you know, my waist is this big. But when we say, okay, how am I? Oftentimes we just like, fine. <laughs> and we don't really think about it. So just take a minute to check in with how you feel now. And we're gonna, we wanna have awareness now. We're gonna try to have awareness while we're practicing this practice and we're gonna have awareness afterwards too, okay? So here we go. We're gonna do this together. I'll take a deep breath in so we're all in the same, same breath. Let it go. Breathe in. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Out. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven, out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one more, in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven, out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Now you can go back into formal breathing. It takes just a few seconds to check back in with yourself. How do I feel? What's changed? What's the same? It's okay. It's not like everything has to change, but just, just to be aware. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Just four breaths. That's all we did. Something like that can change our, our state. Yeah. And, you know, as folks who may be following along are processing all that, um, why is that called, you called it the breath of bliss? What was the name of I that? call it the cadence of, of bliss. Why? And that is, that is a Jesse Coomer name because I feel, I, I was taught this technique um, as a way to help fall asleep. But I, I fell in love with this technique as a way to have bliss throughout the day, very simply. And this is a very easy cadence. And that's why I've called it that. And for instance, in my, uh, my breath club and all these things, when it comes into the, the guided breath work sessions, I just, I just throw cadence of bliss up there, four, seven, eight. And uh, that's how I look at it. That's fantastic. Well, and, and, there is, I think, this misconception about breathwork that, you know, you have to lie down on a mat for three hours and, you know, go, right. go, to, go to town. And what's so powerful, I think, about your practical guide here and, and what it is that you've been doing for, for years now is just teaching humans that they can cultivate that conscious sense of awareness, drop into a breathwork pattern, just as we did, mm. for a minute or a couple of minutes, and then kind of come back out of it having, being, being changed. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's amazing. It, breath work doesn't have to feel like work. You know, it can mm. be, it can be something, it, it should be pleasurable. It should be something that we use as a way to uh, enjoy our life. Breath play, breath play, maybe. Yeah. Breath play, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, on that point, Jesse, what are, what are the obstacles that you see out there in the midst of team human to mm -hmm. this these kinds of practical breathwork protocols? Like what, what gets in our way? I think we, we oftentimes get in our own way when it comes to our thinking. We, we, we have a, a certain degree of, if it doesn't do something that is like, uh, like caffeine or alcohol, right? So, so those are very easy to feel state changes. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and for a lot of people, if it doesn't do something like just hit you over the head, then it's not worth your time. And so if you don't spend time doing breath work, you generally don't develop the skill. So it's not something that you just do whenever you need it. It's something you do all the time. Mm. 
And because first, you're going to have to, a couple things happen. If you practice breath work regularly, you develop a skill. It, it is a skill that you develop over time. The other thing is that your autonomic nervous system, your physiology will start to say, oh, I know what, oh, I know what we're going to do now. Oh, he's getting into the force. Oh, okay, cool. And it's amazing how that really happens where four, seven at breathing today affects me more than it affected me, you know, five years, six years ago. So there's a, there's a habit forming element here, Jesse, that seems really important. You know, as, as, as I like to say, our, our, um, diaphragm, the most important respiratory muscle in our mm -hmm. body is a muscle and can be trained and strengthened. You're sure. suggesting here that through repeated conscious breath work patterns, we cultivate habits and those impact us long-term? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the more you practice this, we, we call it a practice, not a performance. Oftentimes mm -hmm. people want the performance. They think, okay, I'm going to do it one time. And if it doesn't change my life that day, then it's not <laughs> worth looking into, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that is why, that's why actually breath work that is uh, what we might be super ventilation, breath work that mm -hmm. is the rebirthing or the vivations or mm -hmm. the, the things that do make a huge impact. Where Ho you do holotropic, have holotropic, holotropic stuff, yeah. Right? yeah those yeah. are very popular because, and, and, and they're great. There's, I, I, those are wonderful things, but they're very popular because they do hit you over the head. You do have a profound experience. Even those though, if you continue to practice them long-term, you, you, the first time, yeah, it's going to be great, but you're going to have a lifelong practice that can excel and grow and, and develop. What oftentimes we as a species, team human, I love the way that sounds. Uh, if, if, it's, if it's something that is not um, a, a chemical that we can just ingest really quickly and then have a, have a pretty fast reaction, mm. we're not that willing to give it time that it deserves. So we all understand exercise and, and nutrition, you know, going back to my story, uh, those two elements, if you give them the time that they deserve, they make you live longer and happier and healthier. But we still have a population that one third, last I checked up in the United States, one third of our population is pre-diabetic, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and so there's, there's a, there's a certain degree of, um, I'm, uh, unwillingness to try something uh, and and to stick with something yeah. that, that we have to overcome. And the beauty behind breathwork, I will say, is that it's free. Uh, it's reliable. It is scientifically tested now. So we're testing it more and more. So it's not just that you have to, you know, it's not like you have to just believe and it's going to do, you can, you can actually look at the research now. Yeah. And, you know, both Wim Hof and James Nestor, who we, you know, the author of the usually popular book, Breath, the new science of a lost art. We, we invoke both Wim and James regularly. Um, oh, okay, are, yeah. are, are fond of saying, you know, the, the science is just kind of catching up with what we've known for a long time, but have kind of forgotten yeah. recently as a species, yes. right? Yeah. Can you speak a little, you, you talked about the autonomic nervous system at length. Can you connect breath work with other systems in the body that might be transformed in positive ways by breath work? One of the things that oftentimes a person will do uh, or they're, they're looking for is a way to boost their immune system mm. uh, with, with their breath. And there's, uh, there are a few techniques that specifically, um, you know, for instance, Wim Hof is one of them, uh, Sri Sri Ravi Strongkar, uh, the Sky Method, um, the uh, Siddharshan Kriya, that one is another one. Actually, Siddharshan Kriya has, right now, I think as of now, 100 independently reviewed studies that verify that it, it boosts immune system and uh, reduces inflammation, a lot of things like that. And I know folks here listening are familiar with the Wim Hof method, but could you say more about mm -hmm. Kriya, Siddharshan Kriya? Yeah, what so Siddharshan Kriya, yeah, Siddharshan Kriya, and if you Google it, um, you'll find that it's, uh, you won't really find as much as you'll find a Wim Hof method, right? It, it, is, it is specifically a breathing technique. Um, it, it combines three different yogic style of breathing. It combines what I, in my book, call ocean breathing. Some people would call it ujjayi breath. Yes. And it, it combines. So there's a combination of ujjayi or ocean breathing uh, with box, uh, a modified box breathing. So there's a certain cadence you do there. And then there, you, then you do some, uh, you do bostrika. So there's a few different techniques. And then you actually get to the kriya. And that is a, a 
There's a super ventilation cycle with a termination. I, you know, it, it's a, it's a really pleasurable thing to do. Um, but ultimately what we find is that when we do breath work, right? So there are different styles, but when we're doing breath work appropriately, especially when we do deep breathing, but also all these other things too, right? But when we do deep breathing, we're also, in addition to affecting our autonomic nervous system, we, we're also massaging our organs and we are allowing lymph to be circulated throughout our bodies in ways that oftentimes, in, especially in the modern world, we don't have happen. Uh, lymph, it, it requires movement uh, and, and, and really seeks that out. So that, that's essentially what helps us move those things around. So ultimately that's happening there. In addition to that, superventilation um, or what we might consider deep cyclical breathing um, seems to be connected to elements of, uh, because of the autonomic nervous system, uh, of the release of adrenaline, we see uh, parts of our genetics being activated and suppressed. And it's just really kind of fascinating. There's also research that shows that when we do certain styles of breath work, we can lengthen our telomeres. And, and it's, it's, this is research that we don't have much to go on right now, but it is very interesting that if you can induce uh, a state of hypoxia. So Wim Hof Method does that. There's other styles of, that they use superventilation and long breath holds. Um, and any of those, anytime you have a, a long state uh, of hypoxia or, or short state of hypoxia, it's really acute hypoxia. But if you, anytime you do that, uh, there's some research that, that implies that um, that can lengthen our telomeres. And, and if, if you're familiar with telomeres or not familiar with telomeres, um, it seems to be that, that this is a part of our genetic encoding that is connected with aging. So our, 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 our basically our age, how, how fast or how slow we're aging uh, physically uh, is connected to that. So, so there's a lot of interesting benefits to it. Uh, in addition to that, you know, the pain mitigation, I think, is one that, you know, of course, there's a lot of research that the cat's meow right now is uh, cyclical breathing. Uh, the deep cyclical breathing, uh, but, uh, and, and that's great. I'm all for it. I do that every day. Um, so pain mitigation is another thing that we see uh, the activation of the, the um, of certain elements uh, that, that are, are responsible for pain mitigation. Uh, we can see from that. And um, just one more, I mean, there's a million of them, but uh, one thing that we also start to see with um, deep breathing, deep cyclical breathing is the, um, the activation of our limbic system, which is responsible for emotions and uh, processing emotions. And we use that a lot of times with people with trauma mm. or with phobias and things like that. Mm. So there's a lot of things that we need to do more research on. And of course, um, you know, you can, uh, you can invoke Wim Hof again. He, he talks about science being the little turtle that, that's just never catching up to, to where we really are. It, it's frustrating because there are things that we know but until you know we can validate it with science it's hard to say it's a fact um so it, it may be true but we may not be a fact yet. yeah it's fascinating um, fascinating isn't it um <laughs> can you say a little bit jesse about combining breathwork protocols with other forms of what we call uh hormesis the, the idea that what doesn't kill us makes us stronger that a little bit of voluntary stress regularly applied on our bodies going to the gym and lifting weights you know and then yeah. taking a rest day hormesis um uh, th that when we combine breath work with other kinds of hormetic protocols we see added benefits is that something that you do in your own work absolutely and in the in the book i even go over um a specific protocol on how to cover faster so so one of the things if you're an athlete uh when i train athletes yes we want you to be able to perform better in the moment of stress, right? In the, in the gym, uh, in the, uh, in the ring, you know, wherever it is that your game happens to be, but we want you to be stronger and faster. We want, we want you to develop and hormetic stressors are great because, um, you're giving your body just enough stress that it can recover, but mm -hmm. you have to be able to recover or else hormesis is not hormesis, right? And so the recovery is, is just as important as the stressor. So great, you go to the gym or you go, you know, run or do, you know, you roll or you spar or whatever it is that you do. 
as soon as you get done doing that, this is the, the most common thing that we try to do. Okay, what do you do? Well, most people will say, okay, great. I'll have my protein shake or I'll do my post-recovery meal. Or, you know, we, we, we want to work, start that recovery as soon as we can. There's a lot of research that shows that after exercise, especially intense exercise, we're still in a state of, of, of that sympathetic dominance, that fight or flight state for even four hours after we leave the gym. So, so many of us will leave the gym. Awesome. High five. I did a great you know, workout. And then for four hours, you're still in a stress state. So all those catecholamines, you're, you're still catabolic, if you will. And so we, we want to end that as soon as we can and get us back into the rest and digest state as fast as possible. So I have a protocol in the book. Um, it was actually one of my first articles I even published. I even published an article in, where was it? It was in Testosterone Nation or something <laughs> like that for the bodybuilders, nice. you know, because they're interested in this as well. And it's, a, it's basically um, how to activate your parasympathetic nervous system. So the other side of the autonomic nervous system as quickly as possible. And this is important because I don't care how nutritious or how much protein or how good that post-recovery meal is. If your body is not in the state where it can accept it, it's not going to get, you're, you're not going to get the benefits that you think you're wanting to get. So ultimately, as soon as you get done working out, when you apply some of these protocols, you can, you can even check, okay, where's my heart rate? Where is this? Where's, you know, how do I feel here? Um, and then you can be, you can rest assured, okay, within a matter of about 15 minutes, as opposed to four hours, <laughs> I can be back in a state where I can recover. Yeah, and you call this in your book. I love how you capitalize different breathwork protocols in your book. So this is the breathwork for calming down section. Yes. <laughs> and yes. like, it's capital B, capital C, <laughs> capital D. It's like, oh, that's good. Breathwork for calming down. Right? You got to get it down there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's, it, yeah, it's one of the many wonderful things about your book. Well, um, it's, been, it's been so fun to talk with you about um, breathwork today, Jesse. One last question. Um, so here we are in the COVID times, and I keep thinking yes. they're over, and I hope they're going to be over any second. Um, do you have any practical breathwork advice for members of Team Human who are feeling, as I think many are right now after two years, um, feeling really at sea, uh, languishing, feeling meh, feeling disoriented, feeling like it's hard to get out of bed in the morning? Um, what, would your, what would your advice be? Two things. One, one is that uh, you should be breathing through your nose all the time. So, so uh, that's one of those things where that uh, it's 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 causing us anxiety. Uh, of course, you, you know you don't want to catch COVID. You don't want to catch anything, right? Um, so, so if you if you breathe in through your nose and and you've been drinking enough water and you're properly hydrated, um, your nose is going to catch about seventy five percent of all the things that you inhale. So that includes viruses, bacteria, pathogens of all kinds. So that's one thing that everyone should be breathing in through your nose. The next thing is um, that I would use this time as an opportunity to get into breath work. You, you don't need a gym uh, to practice breath work. You don't need to go uh, be even social to practice breath work. However, I do highly recommend if you can go to a workshop or a retreat, there really is a special feeling there. So that's with me or with anybody, go out there and meet other people that do this. It's beautiful. Mm. But ultimately what's happening is we stay in these heightened states of awareness. We flip on our phones way too much. We activate that dopamine feedback loop and we don't have enough time to talk about that. It's in the book. I, I kind of described it more, but we put ourselves in these states and we don't realize. And I, I think we all to some degree are, are feeling it, right? So, but breath work is a, is a fantastic tool that I would say now is a perfect time to get into because you, you need it. I mean, human, all of us, all of us, whether you have been, you know, really freaking out uh, because you've got a, uh, you know, some kind of a health condition that makes you more vulnerable, or you are the, the, the freest, healthiest person, you know, you still have to deal with the way the world is. And, and we have more anxiety and stress in the world than ever before. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, sadly enough, I've got lots of work to do. You know, business is good because people are so stressed. People need breath work. Uh, it's not, I, I wish it were not that way, but, but it, people do need it. So I would recommend getting into breath work, learning about how your physiology works mm -hmm. and understanding that there's nothing really wrong with you 
You just need to learn how you work. And breath is, is the answer. Breath is the language of how that works. Well, and that brings us around to where we started, Jesse, with awareness and, and mindfulness yes. through the power of the breath. Um, remind folks where they can find out more information about you and the work you're doing. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I do a YouTube channel. You just search for Jesse Coomer on YouTube. I've got all kinds of videos, guided breathwork techniques, all sorts of things like that. You can also find me at jessecoomer.com. And uh, on my website, uh, you can find uh, my book, a guided uh, or a practical guide to breath work. I, I have one copy left in my house. I was like, where is that one copy? And so I, I found it for this. But, uh, but yeah, you can also find my book on Amazon, Audible, uh, anywhere that you can find uh, books and, uh, and e-books sold. Well, thank you, Jesse, for your work and for this book and, and for coaching so many members of Team Human to greater health and wellness. And, and you know, this image, again, to end with this is... Uh, a reminder that we should take our lungs, indeed, take our whole bodies out into the natural world whenever we can and um, get some good respiratory exercise. So um, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking with you, and I hope we, uh, we meet face-to-face -face sometime soon. Absolutely. That is my wish. Have yes. a good day. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. You bet. You've been watching Peak Flow, the show where we optimize human performance one breath at a time. Our special guest today, Jesse Coomer. Uh, breathwork coach and author of A Practical Guide to Breathwork, A Remedy for the Modern Human Condition. Find out more at jessicoomer.com. Thank you so much for watching, for listening, and we'll see you outside.